I love the song, O Come All Ye Faithful. We sing it every Christmas, and we've already sung it here at Redeemer over the last few weeks. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him. There's a second verse most of us don't know. Maybe you read the Nicene Creed on the front of your worship guide tonight. The second verse goes like this. God from true God and light from light eternal. Born of a virgin to earth he comes. Only begotten Son of God, the Father. There's another way that verse 2 is written, but it celebrates that Jesus Christ is very God of very God. Verse 3, sing, choir of angels, sing in exaltation. Sing, all ye citizens of heaven above. Glory to God. Glory to God in the highest. Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee be all glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Oh, come, let us adore him. I love that hymn because it celebrates the glorious person of Jesus Christ. It reminds us that the baby born in Bethlehem was no mere human, but he was the eternal Son of God who became a human for us and for our salvation. I love it. It sets before us the glory of Jesus Christ and bids us come and worship him. But I also love this newer hymn, O Come All Ye Unfaithful, written just a handful of years ago, and I suspect that you might love it too. Its focus is not so much on the person of Jesus Christ, though it is certainly there. Not so much on the work of Jesus Christ, though it is certainly there. But its focus maybe is a bit more on you and me. Unfaithful. Weak. Unstable. Barren and waiting, weary of praying, bitter and broken, fears unspoken, guilty and hiding, running. It focuses on the human condition, but still proclaims the triumph of the love of God in Jesus Christ for his people. All of these sorts of people can come. The unfaithful, the weak, the unstable, the bitter, the broken, the guilty. They can still come. And know that they're not alone. They can come and see what God has done. 
that Christ is born and that he's the lamb who was given and slain for their pardon and that by coming they can know his promise of peace. One song focuses on the glory of the Son of God and calls us to worship. And how appropriate is that? And another song focuses on the unglory of the sons of men and bids us to come and not worship Christ, but take hold of Christ for who he is and what he has done. For the last several weeks here at Redeemer, we've been pondering Christmas and some things that Christmas inspires. A few weeks ago, Pastor Antonio spoke to us about the hope that comes our way through Jesus Christ. We looked at the early chapters of Luke chapter 2 at Zacharias and Anna. That these old folks who were longing for the Messiah to come got to see him, got to hold him in their hands. And all of their hopes had come to fruition in the person of Jesus Christ. And the fact that God had made good on his promises to bring the Messiah gives us the same kind of hope that God will keep the future promises he has made to us. Christmas inspires hope. Then we said that Christmas inspires joy. Whenever those magi came from the east and were led by the star to the baby Jesus, when that star pointed down upon that house and they knew that the baby is there, the Bible says that they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And when the angel appeared to those shepherds and made his powerful announcement, he said, I bring you good news of great joy. That what God had done in sending his son, Jesus Christ, would bring exceedingly great joy to those who would take hold of the promise. To those who would believe in Jesus Christ, they too would experience joy. The Apostle Peter said it like this, that those of us who had believed and by believing been reconciled to God, we rejoice exceedingly with a joy inexpressible and full of glory. We're glad, we're happy, we're delighted because of what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. So Christmas inspires hope. The God who made good on his promise will make good on his promises. And it inspires joy that God through his son, Jesus Christ, offers forgiveness of sins and reconciliation to him and eternal life. And that brings exceeding joy. And then we saw that Christmas inspires peace. Peace with God and the peace of God. That because of our sin, 
against God. It has separated us from him, and it really has created enmity between God and us. That's a huge problem because there's nothing that you and I can do to fix it. But the message of Christmas and the message of the Bible is that God has fixed it for us through the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was born and who lived and who then died upon a cross to pay the penalty for our sins, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is alive and reigns now and offers to any and to all who will trust him, believe in him, take him, forgiveness and a righteous standing before God. And the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 5 that those who have believed and been declared righteous by God have peace with God. The enmity is gone. And then, because of that, we can experience the peace of God in the midst of our circumstances. So often, the circumstances of our lives create anxiety and fear and the like. But to those who have a relationship with God, we have access to God in prayer. And Paul said it like this, Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. All of that's true because of Christmas. Because God sent his son into the world for us. It inspires hope, it inspires joy, it inspires peace. And tonight, briefly, it inspires love. Christmas is the story of the love of God. It's got the love of God written all over it. We could start way back into the very nature of our God who the Apostle John said, is love. His Trinitarian nature, the Father and the Son loving one another in the Spirit from before all time and before all things. It's the very nature of our God in His very essence to love. He's been doing it from before all time. And He creates the world and He creates us so that His overflowing love might be experienced by us. It starts way back even in Genesis chapter 3. After sin enters into the world, God steps in and initiates that he will bring forth one who will fix all of it. That a seed, a descendant, a son would come who one day will crush the serpent's head. It goes back as far as Exodus 34, when Moses said, God, I want to see your glory. And God said to him, I'll tell you about myself. I am the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. But those sorts of things come roaring into, if you will, the person of Jesus Christ when we come to the New Testament. The most famous verse in the whole world 
is from John chapter 3, verse 16. It says this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God gave his only begotten son. That's Christmas. When the eternal son of God took to himself humanity in the virgin womb of his mother Mary. The eternal God takes to himself a human nature in the person of Jesus Christ. And it also seemingly has the idea God gave his son not only does that have in mind Christmas, but it also has in mind what the baby would come to do when he gave himself upon a cross to pay the penalty for our sin. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's an amazing verse about the love of God, but you can't miss, should not perish. The verse is such good news because of the bad news that it implies. That all of us have sinned. And that all of us are under the wrath of God. And that all of us will perish forever if God doesn't do something. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. From his heart of love, God sent his son Jesus to live a life, a holy life, a righteous life that none of us could live. And to go to a cross to pay a, a, a price that none of us wants to pay. He died upon the cross not for any sins that he had committed. He was holy and righteous. He died upon the cross and took on himself the sins of his people. He died in their place and for their sins. Such that whoever will believe who will trust in him, turn to him from their sins to him, they will have eternal life. Another verse I want to share with you in 1 Timothy chapter 1. This is the Apostle Paul. If you know anything about the New Testament, Paul wrote 13 of the 27 books in the New Testament. And early on in his life, he hated Christianity. He hated the idea of Christmas. He hated Jesus. He hated the idea of the cross of Christ for sinners slain. He hated Christianity. He hated the gospel. He hated it and wanted to get rid of it. But God changed his life. Forgave him of his sins. And called him to be one of Christianity's greatest preachers, if you will, of all time. But here's what Paul said. 
I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. What he means by that, it's a trustworthy statement that he's about to say. And it deserves that everyone in this room accept it. It's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am the foremost of all. Paul, why Christmas? Why did Jesus come into the world? Why did God send his only begotten son into the world? Why? It's a trustworthy statement and it's deserving full acceptance from everybody who will hear it. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Sounds a little bit like John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He goes on, yet for this reason I found mercy so that in me as the foremost, foremost sinner, Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. If you're here tonight and you're saying, listen, I just, I got drug here tonight. That gospel thing sounds good, but you don't know who I am, you don't know where I've been, and you don't know what I've done. I'm sure, Mitch, you've, you, you, you know, you, you, you were a good kid, you grew up in church, and, and Jesus saves kids like you. But you ain't never seen a kid like me. You hadn't seen the places I've been, the things I've done, the things I've said, the things I've thought about. You have no idea the depths of my rebellion against God. Paul says, if Jesus can save me, he can save anybody. I was a good kid, but my sins put me at odds with God as much as anybody's sins. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death for anybody and everybody. But the good news is that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Not just Paul, but sinners like me, sinners like you. You're not too far gone. Isn't that awesome? Another one from Paul, real fast, and then I want to close from another from John. In Romans chapter 5. 
while we were still helpless. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die, but demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Paul, what was God demonstrating when he sent his son into the world to die upon a cross? What was he trying to show to all of us? God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. One more. From 1 John chapter 4. As we've said, that, that Christmas, that, that the amazing Christmas, God sending his son in the world, that it inspires hope in our souls. It inspires joy. It inspires peace. And so far, all we've been talking about is God's love. And that's enough to talk about, is it not? Brothers and sisters, if you know Jesus Christ, you are loved by. Let me read a few verses, and I want you to listen for the love of God for us. Listen for the Christmas language, if you will, of God sending his son. But then also listen for what this love of God in sending Jesus for us ought to inspire in us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. For God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. What else does Christmas inspire? In the hearts of his people, it inspires love. The thought that God would love the unlovable, that he would love us so much, sending his only son for us, inspires in us to love one another. So Christmas inspires hope. God is going to make good on his promises. It inspires joy. Good feeling in the soul that shows up on the face. 
because of all of the kindness that's come our way through Jesus. It inspires peace. That I now have peace with God and can have peace in the crazy circumstances of my life. And it inspires love towards others because I realize I've been so loved. So, close with just a few questions. Do you love God? Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You say, good night. None of us could do that. But I don't think Jesus ever intended us to think perfectly. But is the tenor of your life one of glad submission to the will of God? Like, you love him and you love his word and you love his gospel and you love his people and you love his ways and you know you're not perfect. Far from it. But God has stirred up in your heart a desire to know him and love him, to trust him and obey him. Husbands, do you love your wives? You say, well, Mitch, how do you, how do you, how do you define it for me? Well, I'm not so sure the best definition, but here's a pretty good one. To initiate for the good of another. That's love. Husbands, do you initiate for the good of your wife? The Bible says to you and to me, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, do you love your husbands? Respecting him, initiating for his good. Parents, do you love your children? Not with the just, a, oh yeah, of course I do. And not just with the providing of things, which is incredibly important, but strategic engagement with your children that builds up their heart and soul, initiating for their good. Kids, do you love your parents? One of the Ten Commandments is honor your father and mother. That shows itself in Respect towards mom and dad and obedience to mom and dad. Brothers and sisters, I'm talking about kiddos. Do you love your siblings? Yes. Good. Do you love your neighbors? Do you love people in your life that are far from God? who don't think like you, who don't act like you, who don't talk like you, who don't respond like you, don't look like you? Do you love your enemies? Those who have hurt you, those who have wronged you? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 
By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Here's the really neat thing. That whenever you and I come to faith in Jesus Christ and trust in him and he forgives our sins and declares us righteous and reconciles us to him and adopts us into his family and a whole lot of other good things, you know what he also does? He puts his very presence in our life through his spirit. And his spirit comes into our life to write the law of God on our heart. To change our desires and to give us an impulse to love him and love others. And not merely an impulse, but help and strength along the way. It's an amazing thing, the gift of the Spirit of God in the life of the child of God. And one of his fruits in the life of his people, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And so, this Christmas, let us ponder anew that this babe born in Bethlehem, who was born to live and die in our place and for our sins, to rise again, to ascend to heaven, reign one day to come again, it was born of the love of God. And then as we leave here, maybe we ponder anew, if God so loved me, then can I not, through the power of his spirit, love others? Let's pray. One of the favorite songs of us all from when we were kiddos. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Father, I pray that we would never get over this fact. That we are loved by God. Those who have trusted in Jesus, believed in him. Those who cling to him, who follow him, are loved by God. And absolutely nothing will ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, would you help us to know it? to experience it, to never get over it, and to be so gripped by the love of God in Jesus Christ that our lives would never, ever be the same. That yes, we will continue to stumble and fall, 
but that our lives would increasingly be marked by love. Love for our church family, love for our spouse, love for our kids, love for our neighbors, love for our co-workers, love for any and everybody you bring our way, that just as our God is love, so we who have been born of him would also love. Oh, may it be true. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.